Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and hello everyone and welcome once again to Madame Perry Salon, the podcast where fascinating people meet. I'm your host, your groove mistress, and your spiritual advisor, Madame Perry, but you can call me Perry, Jennifer, JP, whatever. You don't have to call me Madam. I am so happy to be here and thanks to everyone who's been, apparently you're sharing with this with people as well because uh more people have been subscribing on, on Spotify and Apple and leaving nice reviews, and I really do appreciate those. Uh, it lets me know what kind of guests you enjoy to have on here, and we have a pretty good variety of guests. By the way, um, somebody was asking about a recent guest, a couple of recent guests. D.C. Glenn, D.C. the Brain Supreme from Tag Team. You probably see him every day on those Geico commercials where he says, scoop, there it is, and sprinkles. Um, He was on a couple of weeks ago, and somebody asked me, you know, was he serious when he said, if you need help, call me? Yeah, he's serious. He even gave out his email on that show, and I know it's legit. It's the same one he gave that. He and I correspond with. So, yes, he's a very generous man, and he wants to be able to uh, help anyone. Right now he's working on the show Games People Play on BET in Atlanta. So, yeah, he's here. He he, he doesn't make empty promises. He's, he's there to help you. Also, uh, somebody was asking about Franny Goldie, and she's got some new things out. Franny Goldie is a, a dress designer or clothing designer. But you may have known her from her life as a Grammy-winning songwriter for people like uh, uh, The Commodores, Night Shift, uh, Selena, Dreaming, uh, Pussycat Dolls, Stick With You. Uh, she wrote hundreds of songs that you know, but she has uh, it's Franny Goldie, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E dot com. She has the what Adam Glassman of Oprah Magazine calls the Magic Pants. And if you go to her website, whatever you order, put in MPS, as in Madam Perry Salon, MPS, when you check out, and you'll get a discount. Also, I think the, the uh, free guitar still holds with David Fishoff, Fishoff from uh, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. If you mention Madam Perry Salon, when you sign up, you'll have a guitar. And somebody said, what kind of guitar? And when Lita Ford was on here, she said, who cares? He's giving you a free guitar. You know, he's that kind of guy. So, yeah, so check that out as well. And uh, coming up next week, we have Adelia Acker from, she's half of the, or co-host of the podcast, We're Our Only Fans, uh, W-O-O-F, and she'll be here next Tuesday, I believe. So, yeah, tonight's show is so much fun. I I am so excited about this. I'm going to bring in my co-host, who some of you know, because she was on the show, I think, a couple of years back. And she's she's also an author. Uh, She's starting to promote her new book, Address the Color of the Moon. Uh, Jennifer Irwin, welcome back here to the Genie Bottle. 
Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting with you and meeting the amazing author for your guest. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. Brianne Davis. I still can't believe it. So just so people know before we go, uh, sorry, when you, when you were on before, it's because it was your first book, Address the Color of the Sky, and the main character, Prue, and this is this connects with tonight's show. Uh, she's a sex addict, and she goes into rehab mm-hmm. and address the color of the moon. I believe is uh, when Prue and some of her, some of the cast. Uh, I think they're called the cast of characters from the rehab, mm-hmm. re-enter the world, trying to uh, repair damaged relationships and <laughs> navigate a new yep. world with new tools. Yep, yep, and the trials and tribulations that go with that. Oh yeah. Well, I wish you yes, much success. I'm very excited to share it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you'll have to come back on a different show and talk all about that. And, of course, most people know, <laughs> for anybody wanting to book Jennifer Irwin on your show, call me. I'm her publicist, so we got to get that. we got to get it. Because <laughs> everyone who reads it loves it. Everybody who knows your work loves it. And, uh, yeah. Now, tonight's guest as you know, and people are really psyched about this show, as I am and as you are. This is a wonder woman. Now, I don't know if she describes herself as that, but this lady, she's an actress, author, producer, director, she's a business owner, a podcaster, and a wife and mother. I don't know how she does it. If it's, she has some special vitamins, I want to know. Uh, she's definitely smart, and she's definitely hardworking, extremely talented. You may know her from shows like, um, well, her early career began with uh, Dawson's Creek. Uh, she's also done Nip Tuck, CSI Miami, Desperate Housewives, True Blood. That was super popular. Um, the movie Jarhead with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, and in her own company, Give and Take Productions, she's directed The Night Visitor 2, Heather's Story, Psychophonia and Transfer. So she's in, she's either in front of the camera, the director's chair, uh, everything. But she also wrote this book, um, and it's called Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. And we got to find out all about this. Breanne Davis, welcome so much to Madame Perry Salon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I sound much cooler than I am, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, don't say that. By the way, I hope you're comfortable. I didn't know if I told you this before, but uh, when I began the podcast, one of the first people went back and one of the first guests went back and told everyone, I've been to Madame Perry's salon and it looks like the inside of Jeannie's bottle. Oh, so. no, I didn't know that. That's so yes. fascinating. Yes, it's my salon inside. That's why you see so many pillows around you to sit on, like like I dream of Jeannie. So you got it. So I hope you're comfy. Mm. Oh, yes, I am. I'm comfy. Good, good. All right. So um, congratulations on your new book. And you've got a podcast. Thank you. Life. You're welcome. And I believe that the podcast, this was something that you really hadn't planned to do. But it came about oh. after the book was written? 
Yeah, that's the thing. I never wanted to write a book. I never wanted to have a podcast. I'm a working actress. I've just been making a living the last 20 years as a working actress. And it's like, all of a sudden, you know, these things opened up for me to step into and do and share my experience, strength and hope and recovery. And yeah, I was writing the book. And when I was editing it, the Secret Life podcast just came out of the blue. It's like, my whole thing is tell me your secrets and I'll tell you mine. So every show I try to tell a secret of mine while my guests reveal their secret from past or present. I love it. <laughs> That's right up my alley. <clears throat> oh, you'll so, love it. It's, <laughs> go ahead. It's some really dark secrets, like secrets the first, a lot of our guests are anonymous. So 80% of the people that come on, I change their names. But it's, you know, we have somebody come on, the first woman that was anonymous was a woman that shot herself in the chest with a shotgun because she couldn't reach perfectionism. And she walks me through what that felt like and how she got on the other side of it. And, you know, it's really, really dark secrets, you know, addiction, coming out stories, sexually assaulted, those kind of secrets. But then we have really funny light secrets, like stealing food from Jeff Bezos at Whole Foods and like lying <laughs> on your resume and being, you know, so there's really, there's a combination of both. I try to, I try to make it light and dark, but yeah, I've, I love doing it. We've released our 71st episode and then we have about 73 episodes still in the can. So we have enough for a year and a half, another year and a half. Okay. So I've subscribed and I've got plenty to listen to on the road. That's what you're saying? It doesn't matter yes, where you I have drive. Lots. And it's no no matter. It's every kind of secret. It's every kind of walk of life, age range, ethnicity, everything. It's it's I'm really, really proud of the podcast and it it brings a lot of hope and that's what I want to do. And that you're not alone. Now mm-hmm. Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, it is fiction, but it's based on a lot of things in your life. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Well, I had to make it fiction, first of all, so I wouldn't get sued, right? <laughs> oh. Like, I have to... Mm-hmm. I, my book's fiction, to, but loosely, too. So I made it Aroma Clef Fiction, where it's, like, based on mm-hmm. real life, but you can change the names, the locations, the time frame, and so it really gave me a chance to, like, put my story in, but put other people's story in, and from my over... T- you know, almost 12 years of recovery and sex and love addiction. So I really just got to put it all out there. And I get to say, you can't, you don't know which story is mine and you don't know which one's fake. So it's like a fun game for people to try to guess, you know, who, who the characters are. So how would you define, and I have to say that when it's with Jennifer's first book, when I was out mm-hmm. working that, and I remember it was a hard thing for people to grasp that the book was about a woman who had sex addiction. And I remember being in, in I was in L.A. in a cab on the way to her um, her book launch, and the cab driver, well, what are you doing here? Well, what's, the, what's this book about? And I told him, he goes, well, that shouldn't be bad for women. I mean, they can make money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, That's Yeah. I mean, yes, there's so much stigma and also, like, people say the most inappropriate things when you say you're a sex and love addict. And what I like to say is it's not hot 
to use people to fill you. It's not attractive mm-hmm. to use people as a drug, and that's what we do. We use sex and love and attention and validation as we snort we snort them. We drink people like, Hmm. give me more attention validation. And I just feel like it's such a misunderstood disease. There's so many people I know that Mm -hmm. die from this disease. Usually if you remove a chemical addiction, there's a sex and love addict underneath. So I just, Mm -hmm. when people don't understand it, I almost want to laugh at them because majority of our society suffer from this addiction of fantasy romance, getting relationships, trying to find your soulmate, trying to get validation, attention, likes on Instagram, you know, the porn addiction that's coming with sex and love addiction, you know, so it's just this really dark, dangerous disease that people like to not understand because I think it hits too close to home. Honestly, I think it hits too close to home. A lot of people people. don't even think it's real. They don't even think sex addiction is real. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, sex and love give off the same chemicals that cocaine does. And that's the first thing as like, your sexuality, getting love from your parents, you know, that all that stuff is the first connections you get on this world. And it's like, how can you think you can get addicted to a drug, but you can't get addicted to a sex? Sex is like the best high and release. Falling in love is like the best feeling in the world. So it's like, it boggles my mind. I think because our society makes it okay, every song, every movie is about fantasy, falling in love, having sex, you using your sexuality as currency, even in marriages and relationships. It's like our society likes to say it's okay, so that's why I think a lot of people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brianne, you, I heard you um, mm-hmm. in an interview, you described um, an interview I what what is a sex and mm-hmm. love addict? If you could describe that and how it compares mm-hmm. you start I think you've said some of it already, but how that compares to any other kind of addict and how do you know? How do you know when you, when okay. you are an addict? Okay, so the easiest way, I like to break it down into sections. So a sex addiction, you know, that side of this addiction. It's where you use your sexuality as currency, where you go from relationship to relationship, where you're addicted to porn, where you're addicted to masturbation, where you're swiping left and right, having one-night stands, you know, you're detached from your, your sexuality and you're getting off on it. So you're not connected. Your, your fear of intimacy So then you look at the love addiction side. That's going back to toxic relationships, going from bad relationship to bad relationship, trying to get that unavailable person to want you, going into fantasy, intriguing, flirting everywhere you go, you know, getting on on social media, trying to get likes and attention and validation. And then the other side of it is sexual anorexia, which usually every sex and love addict is an anorexic. So you swing to the other side and shut down sexually and stop having sex because you can't regulate it. So we're usually all a combination of it all together, but really underneath it is the fear of intimacy, the fear of being loved, the fear of abandonment, and being seen and worthiness. It's about not having any self-love that you reach outside for yourself to give you that validation and to give you that attention. So... I really see, and a lot of people in the addict community and recovery community see that it's the last house. You know how they say A is the last house on the block? Well, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous is like the shack in the back where, like, no one wants to go. It's like the worst of the worst. I mean, 
We it's had a very shameful addiction. It is so much stigma, especially as a woman. You know, women usually identify as love addicts. They're they're afraid to say the sex part, and men are usually like sex addicts, but they have the love addiction part, and it's like what we do and who we use to not feel our feelings because we don't have the tools to feel our feelings. And our society also amplifies don't have a feeling, do somebody else, go shopping, eat something, have sex, find a partner, get online, look at your phone. Like it's so it's like, yeah, it's usually under every addiction there's a sex and love addict. They call it the PhD of all the addictions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of information, well, I know. I could keep talking forever. I can't help it. I'll just keep going. <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing. And, and that's something else I want to get to uh, mm-hmm. is you talking about it. Because, first of all, I wanted to say how you came to write the book, what it was your husband, Mark, said that got you into a situation to write a book, another thing that you hadn't planned to do or wanted to do, like podcasting. And then from there – how you came to, because your podcast, like I said, it, you help a lot of people, and that's very generous. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, I do it for other people. You know, it's a it's a way for me to be of service. After all these years of recovery, I want to give back. So, yeah, I never wanted to write the book. My husband, Mark, who I've been with for 17 years, I've been in recovery for 12 years, So I, you know, went through the worst of the worst with this man. And that's what I like to say. Like, this program, this work doesn't find you the perfect partner. It finds you yourself. So I Mm. found myself in the pro. I found my, I'm my own soulmate. No one can ever be my soulmate. I live and die with myself. So when I was doing this work, I started creating a show with my friend, Jana Kramer, that was married to a sex addict and she's a love addict. And we were pitching the show around town. And what was happening was a lot of people wanted to change the narrative of it and make it something it wasn't. And my husband could feel my frustration with the creating process. And he said, Hey, I really, there's this writing course, this 90 day writing course. I think you should take it. And I looked at him like he was insane. I was on shooting Lucifer. I have a son. I'm like pitching the show. I'm like, are you insane? I'm the, and I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD. I'm like, I don't, I'm not a writer. I'm an actress. What, leave me alone. Like he just kept bothering me. I was like, dude, go away. And by the sixth time he looked me dead in my eyes and he said, listen, it's 90 days. It's not that much money. No one has to know. You take one or two classes. And if you hate it, like we'll forget about it. And so I finally succeeded and said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I wrote mm-hmm. the first draft of Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict in the first 45 days. It was like Whoa. something bigger wow. than me. Yeah, 45 days, the That's first great. draft. I mean, I didn't say it's a good draft. It, I didn't say it was a good one. Like it probably was <laughs> it's just all, dra- all the at first draft has to do is happen. As long as you do it, that's, that's, that's 99% <laughs> right. there. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, great. so I wrote it. It was like, thank you. It was like my higher power universe, God, whatever you want to say, it was just coming through. And it was just, it just almost wrote itself. And yeah, I'm really grateful. My husband pushed me and I asked him the other day, I said, what made you do that? Like what made you, cause we've ne- I've never talked about writing. And he said, I don't know. I think it was something bigger than me too. Like he didn't even knew, mm. know why he kept mentioning it to me. So it was such a beautiful, it was such a beautiful moment. To, oh like, yeah. Do something, 
I never thought I could do, help other people and bring awareness to this deadly disease that's so hidden and shameful. It's, I, I haven't read your book, but it does sound like you did it with humor in some way or. Oh yeah. Um, it's so humorous. To make I it, want it. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, all the sex and love addict sex addiction books. I mean, they're very dark and, well, yeah, you know, the dark, or they're yeah, very dark. Yeah. yeah. Very dark. Yeah. Very. Well, I mean, you, do you find a lot of people have reached out to you privately or because I definitely had a lot of, I mean, my book really stemmed from what a little bit more in how your childhood, like a lot of sex addicts have had, have been sexually assaulted as children or yeah, trauma. Have yeah. Experienced some serious trauma of some kind and sort of disassociate their bodies from their emotions. Um, so I, I did have a lot of people. Oh, no, there's a lot of that. And relate, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And people don't it's, understand that women can be sex addicts and that it isn't, mm-hmm. it, it's just a completely, it's just completely different from, from what men imagine a woman being a sex addict looks like. Oh, yeah, it's completely different. It's, that's a fantasy usually, and that's not what reality yeah, exactly. is. Just yeah, yeah. It's right. just as deadly, just as dangerous, putting yourself in situations, using your body when mm-hmm. you are not even attached to it, floating out of yourself and watching what you're doing and being like, you, there's no way you can stop it. But yeah, a lot of books I've read over the years are very clinical, educational, and and so really dark. So what I wanted to do was write it in a way like a TV show or um, a movie where you could watch the scenes play and it's it's a it's a look back at the first year of Roxanne, you know, recovery when she finds her bottom when she finds out she is a sex and love addict and how she digs her way out of it and it's a lot of so what, a lot of like looking back. What's her like rock that rock? Oh, bottom? you have to read it. Well, here's the thing. Because <laughs> my book sex actually goes addict. through rehab. Yeah, I, my book takes place in rehab. Actually, half of it is the childhood. Yeah, it goes back and forth in time goes through a year but she goes back through these 10 rules so it starts with her bottom you know she's confronted by two guys she's seen and sleeping with and they confront her in a mm-hmm. driveway and she's talking to us and you can hear her self-deprecating voice and then it goes through like how that came about when she went to her therapist when she went back went to her first sex and love addict meeting going through withdrawal looking back at the why why she is the way she is going through the therapy process, looking at all the childhood trauma. Then it goes into like looking at character defects, you know, the main five character defects, the compare and despair. And and there's a lot of funny stories and self-deprecation, but I wanted to make it so anybody that could read it could look at it and go, I've done that. I've thought that I have said that I put myself in situations. So it's not just my story. It's other people's stories from the 12 years I've had recovery. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I, there's I not a lot of SAA, fun. like, women's only meetings out there. There's just, there's really not that many. Because I had to do a lot of research. Yeah, I've gone to a lot of SAA meetings. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's very enlightening to hear everyone's stories and, um, you know, just learn about addiction and recovery and, um, I, I just find it all fascinating because uh, so many people have to deal with it. So many people have been, 
some have been either directly or indirectly affected by addiction. So this is kind of a good subject. Yeah, just today I had a woman reach out, and I posted it on Instagram. I asked first, obviously, and I cut out her identity, but she said, you know, I was married to a sex and sex addict, and I didn't want to read your book. I thought it was going to be triggering, but she said, holy crap, it's, this ride is so much fun, but it also, like, hit the spots of where I'm a love addict and I played a part in it. And that's really why I wanted to help the people that are with sex and love addicts, with a sex addict, with a love addict, and that are them themselves or have family members. I mean, my mom read it the day it came out and she said, she called me and she's like, I just want you to know for the first time in a decade, I finally understand your disease completely. And then she said, I'm going to cry. She said, and for the, and just so you know, I've done some of the things you've done, too. And it was wow. just such a beautiful moment that I could teach mm-hmm. my mom. And she said, it was such a glorious moment. So every other email and DM, I'm like, it's just so meaningful when someone reaches out and says, oh, my God, thank you for giving mm-hmm. me the answer. I don't know why I'm so bad in relationships. I don't know why I use my sexuality to, to manipulate control and have power over people. So, yeah, it's been such a beautiful process. That's been the most rewarding part for me is helping, is seeing how yeah. it's helped people and, and related to help them relate to their issues and situations. Well, yeah, yeah. that's true. Because, you know, one of the people, I think I told you this before, Jennifer, once someone told me that when they read uh, Address the Color of the Sky, it helped them understand their sister a lot more and why she behaved the way she mm-hmm. did and did certain things. Well, one thing I want to ask you, Brianna, is this, or you're talking about with the way you wrote the book, was that you've got an interesting way of you've taken the subject, uh, serious subject, true story, most of it, you know, fictionalized so that um, to, to avoid problems with like, um, you know, I guess NDAs, lawsuits, that kind of thing. And yeah, <laughs> I know it's like no one wants that. That's for sure. <laughs> I know. Well, Every yeah, I and you're dealing, you're dealing with Hollywood and like people like cool girls, superstars, suits, like all these. I gave everybody nicknames, tell who they are, but all those people <laughs> could sue me for a lot of, lot of money. So oh I yeah, change like glam girl. All those names had to be changed, and I didn't want to just pick like Steve. And Barbara, you know, like, so I got creative with the names. You got very creative. They're very clever names. You know, somebody's like ATL and well, NYC. What if I picked, and... like, Kate? What if I picked yeah. Kate and then people would think it's, like, Kate Hudson or Kate, you know, like, I couldn't pick normal names. Because exactly. Because it's right. in Hollywood. Well, a good, a good sex addict doesn't name their, doesn't usually use their, anybody but their real name they just have nicknames. For there you go. So that kind of goes in well with the addiction. <laughs> exactly. You, sometimes you don't even know their names. So you, you're just like, oh, right, that guy. Exactly. Guy in the brown shirt. Guy, trucker. Yeah, like, whatever. Yeah. You, you make up your own name. Exactly. By the way, this is a good time to say, if you're listening to the live show tonight on October 19th and you want to have a question uh, for Brianne Davis, uh, you can call 646-716-9922. It's a uh, toll-free call on the continental U.S. Blog Talk Radio assures me, or for people, and I have a lot of listeners that 
Well, they listen live, but they're at a place where they can't make a phone call, like a job or something. They usually send a message through Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Modette Perry, and I'll I'd be happy to share that with Brianne. Although this is one of those kind of shows where nobody calls, and then at the end I get this flood of messages. Why didn't you ask this? What about that? Like, well, why didn't you call? I was too busy listening. So, you know, they'll let you know. But one of the things is um, you have a way, and I was going to say, did you mean to? But I'm sure you did. You know what you're doing um, in the book. You you knew how to take us into the serious stuff where we're like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can keep on. I feel for her. I don't know. And then you would kind of, it's like you would break the fourth wall. Roxanne mm-hmm. would look at you like you're like you're her friend that just got in the car with her and she's telling you about it. And she was back on the whole Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I wrote it purposely like that. I wrote it where it's a friend sitting across from you and she's taking you through the journey of why she is the way she is. And she knows she's a bad person sometimes. Like Roxanne will sit there and I know this is horrible and I know you probably think horribly of me, but here it is. You know, this mm-hmm. is what happened. This is what I did. This is what was done for me. This is where I'm broken. This is where I hope I'm not alone, you know? So I really wanted to make it like a conversation piece. It was most important to me. And I, I wrote it how I talked. My editor and stuff was, you know, they're like, you're breaking all the rules with writing. And I'm like, well, I'm not a writer, so I can break any rule I want, <laughs> right? So I just really went with it. And it was such a beautiful thing. I gave it to an old timer because as, Jennifer knows in SAA and SLAA, it's very secretive. People don't talk about being in the program. Mm-hmm. So when I gave it to another old timer in my program, and there's not many people that have a lot of time, um, he said, he was like, oh, it's, it's like a long 45-minute share or conversation you have with a friend. And I said, exactly. So I did mm-hmm. want to make it, you know, very light, but also goes to really, really dark places. It goes really, really dark. And um and I try to pull back after that so you don't get buried in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you feel like no, you're a friend. Definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you're on the way I, to the first I feel like meeting. I, the same. I always say the same thing that I write exactly how I talk, and it's very easy. And it's a difficult subject, but it's not, it's, it's easy to read, and it's, it's not complex, it's, it's relatable. Because I just write the way I yeah. talk, but I am a writer, and you have to stop saying you're not a writer because you are a writer. Because you have a book, <laughs> well, you publish well, a book. So now you're. A I know my husband is okay. Give, but here, give me this. I literally had to do the audio book. I had to practice because I am dyslexic and I'm an actor, so I practice my dialogue. And I was practicing the book, and I looked at him, and I'm like, "Oh, this is really, really good." And he looked at me. He's like, "Yeah, you wrote it." And I was like, "I really just don't feel like I wrote it." But I have written book two. You know, Roxanne goes on a sober dating journey in Hollywood, and there's a book three and a book four. So I promise you I will start saying I'm a writer. How's that? Like, I'll say it now. Yeah, yeah. Make it till you make it. You know the lingo. Yeah, right? Totally. <laughs> Assume the position. I'm a writer. Okay, I'm a writer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got it. It's it's. It's a good thing you're famous enough to not need a business card because you got a lot of things to put on there. Actress, author, producer. She's a writer. She's a podcaster. She's a 
a Wonder Woman. Uh, and, ah. and again, I, I love the fact, again, that, you know, you're right. There, there's, there's shame, there's stigma and so forth, but I don't know. How, how do you get past that part? For, for people listening, which, you know, how, do, how do you get past that part? Because we all have things that we feel uncomfortable about or shamed about. God knows I do. And um, try to think about how, you know, how to go on out and hold up my head and just keep on going and not worry about other people. Well, that, you know, that took a long time. I've been in recovery a really long time. So if someone is starting a program or getting help in therapy, I don't advise people to go out and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is me. Because you have to keep it close at the beginning. You have to heal yourself mm-hmm. from the inside out. So when I hit a decade of recovery, when that gold 10-year chip was in my hand, something spoke to me, you need to think bigger. This is not about your community. Yes, it's a big community. Yes, I speak all over the world. I go to recovery houses. I, I talk. But it was this thing like you need to, you need to help more. And I, I didn't know what that was going to look like. And what that was is I wrote an article for HuffPost coming out and before the book came out and what happened was the day it came out I kid you not I was like oh my god at 9 a.m going oh my god I just ruined my life my career is over no one's gonna hire me they think I'm a sex fiend crazy yeah like I had this like panic like oh my god I ruined my life and but what really happened is nothing happened nobody (laughs) cared it was like talk about (laughs) humility right like hump it's like my God was like humble yourself, lady. It seems like when Nobody... guys come out, it's like a big deal. When like different men have come, actors especially and famous men have come forward that they're sex addicts, it's a really big deal. Yeah, but nothing. I don't think like people cricket. think women can be sex addicts. Yeah. Probably yeah. most of them don't, but it was crickets. Nobody, nothing happened. And it was such a humbling <laughs> experience for me. But here's what happened. The last bit of stigma and shame I was holding just evaporated that I didn't even know I had. So it was like me speaking out and saying, you're not alone. Then it got 2 million hits in the first week and a half. And Mm. people started reaching out all over the world in Ireland and London and, and Dubai and all these places. I got all these messages, all these emails saying, oh, my God, I'm, I do that in relationships. I've done those 40 questions. I, I go back to toxic relationships. I use my sexuality as power and manipulation. I've had two boyfriends at one time. Like, so it was like, you know, it was such a, a, a beautiful experience. So I always think to get out of your own shame and stigma, help somebody else, help somebody else. Mm-hmm. That always gets me out. I think, of I any... think a lot of women are codependent too, and they don't even know how oh, yeah. toxic and serious that can be and what an addiction that is. Oh, codependency is like you might as well, that's like an alcoholic drinking. Codependency goes with the love addiction where you're like Mm -hmm. constantly trying to, you take on other people's emotions. You make them all about you and that they give you your identity. It's like, but that usually stems to your family members. If you're doing it in relationships, Mm -hmm. it's usually because you have family members that are codependent and enmeshing. So definitely love addiction and the sex addiction, all those go together. It's about relationships, having unhealthy relationships. Yeah, for sure. 
Oh. And I so, think a lot of it goes back <laughs> to the childhood. <laughs> oh, always. I mean, it always goes back. Yeah. If you don't have a stable background, if you've been sexualized yeah. too young, if you put yourself in compromising positions, if you didn't have parents that mirrored healthy relationships for you, if you came from a broken home, all of that affects mm-hmm. your development and how you have healthy relationships. Yeah. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just had a, a message come in from uh, Sandy, and she's in mm-hmm. Australia, and she says, I am loving this. Thank you so much. Um, you're speaking to my soul. So thank you, Sandy, for sharing Aww. that with us. Aww. Thank you, Sandy. And if you want any more information, you can always DM me at, at the Brianne Davis or go online. Look up the 40 questionnaire. It's 40 S. L-A-A questionnaire, and you can answer these really simple questions and see if maybe this is something that can help you and help you have a healthy relationship outside and a healthy relationship with yourself. And thank you so much. That's so sweet. And by the way, I will be sharing on, uh, because, you know, after tonight, um, this show Mm -hmm. is available for download on Places I don't even know, but I know for sure it's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, <laughs> Apple Jennifer, iTunes, so Podbean. Well, it's true. I'm always finding it somewhere else, and I'm thinking, okay, they're making money <laughs> off ads, <laughs> like uh, things I've never heard of. Um, yeah, it's different when you when you're leaving the doctor's office and they go, oh, by the way, Madam Perry, see you in a couple in a year, and they go, how did you know? You're on Podbean. That's what I listen to. So. Yeah, Aww. yeah, I love I it. So, uh, but I will be sharing on all of my social media, uh, whether uh, it's for Madam Perry Salon or for Jennifer Perry for my personal social media. I will share all the links to be able to check out Brianne's book and her Instagram, uh, all of her social media. And again, as well as Jennifer Irwin's, too. I'll be sharing all of that on all my social media and LinkedIn and everything. Yay! Because why not, ladies? Let's just (laughs) celebrate each other. Exactly. Support and celebrate. So if you're, because a lot of people listen, they tell me they listen when they're driving or when they're jogging, so you can't write it down then. So Mm -hmm. I always share it everywhere. so, Brianne, what do you have? You say you've got another book in the works already. Um, where yes. is that going to take us? Is it going to follow Roxanne again? Yes, it's a four-book series. It go, follows Roxanne after, you know, she gets her first year of sobriety and sex and love addiction. And she has to start sober dating, healthy dating. So she goes in back into the dating world trying to work it out. And it is a hot mess. And you get to read all about it, hopefully, by the end of next year. But, yeah, I'm I'm in rewrites right now. Um, so I'm doing that and then just, you know, supporting Secret Life podcast and all that. Yeah. So are you Do pulling you... the second book from your real-life experiences or partially in your – so you, you didn't really sober date because you were already married when you got recovered – when you – Went to recovery. Well, I was not did you married. Go, did you go to rehab married. or you just did meetings? No, I didn't go to rehab. I went to eight years of intense therapy twice a week and body work, um, going to 
five meetings a week in SLAA working the steps. It took me nine years to do my 12 steps. My fourth step took about two and a half years. Um, yeah, so I didn't do the rehab uh, route. I did the intense work. But I wasn't married to my husband. He was my boyfriend. And oh, we did okay. have to redate. So it's like, even though I had a partner, I still had to learn how to date. But I also took from other people's experience in the dating. I've taken a lot of people through dating history. And I just wanted to bring this energetic roller coaster ride of how to date, how to date in Hollywood, which is a hot mess in itself. And, mm-hmm. you know, and follow this working actress and how she navigates and it also every book I have 10 rules so it's 10 rules to to get to help someone they can take the rules and put them in their life so there's another 10 rules how to sober date in a healthy way where you have boundaries and self-love and self-esteem mm-hmm. there there are two such there are two scenes in the book that um what it's like yeah it's like you take it's, it's like where your girlfriend hanging with you you're letting us see things one is where um these two i don't know why but they stayed with me one of them is please tell me it's not true that you ripped off that you ripped a five thousand dollar christian dior dress and <laughs> <laughs> that you had to pin it back like what's her name uh hurley um oh what's her name um hurley she was huge um Oh, anyway, she's the actress that that had the uh, dress with the the safety pins in it. I think it was a, uh, I don't know if it was Dior or somebody, or it might have been Elizabeth Hurley. Her, Elizabeth Hurley, that's about? what it is. Yeah, yeah. Her safety pin dress. Her safety yeah. pin dress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> infamous. Oh she my God. That dress. No, I, yeah, that dress did not get safety pin back. No, <laughs> but. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Okay. And uh, with C, you're talking about with CEO, right? The CEO scene. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. 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 Chapter three. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that was a Because I, <laughs> I worked for Dior for a while. You're thinking LVMA. You know oh my God. That... I, I don't think I could do. That. I don't <laughs> really? think I could recite what chapter something happened in my book. <laughs> That's impressive. That's really impressive. Thanks. And, and the other one was when uh, going back to uh, Roxanne goes back to her therapist's office after she hasn't been there for a while, and she goes, you know, I gotta have your next appointment. I need you. And she's in the waiting area where there's another therapist too, and the other person waiting for their therapist is also an actress. And so you're kind of like mm-hmm. looking but not looking, not wanting to really recognize, mm-hmm. but. You see in her bag a, a script. Mm-hmm. That should be your script. So you're trying to like catch the name of the character before while you're texting your agent. Why am I not up for this script? <laughs> that was <laughs> that's such a funny thing. That scene, happens all the time, though. That happens all the time in Hollywood. So I put a lot of moments in there where you that does occur all the time. Like a friend that's an actress, you'll be like, "What role is that? Wait." I didn't get called in for that. Oh, I need to call my my agent right now. Why am I not called in for that part? Like, so that I put a lot of things in that, that working actors, you know, we all think of Hollywood as A-list celebrities on the red carpet. And I really wanted to 
to show what it's like to be a working actress, you know, that you're not on the billboard, but you're making a living, but it's a struggle and, and the ups and downs of it and how it can be brutal and how mm-hmm. you're put in situations where you com- compromise your morals and values sometimes. So I just really wanted to shed a light on Hollywood as well. Oh, my gosh, because you're looking, it's like somebody check, trying to look at another desk during a test in high school or something or college. Totally. So you're, you're trying to peek but not peek, but yet not ex- get each other's attention or acknowledge it, even though you both know each other's there. And Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that's Brittany Ashley, right? Brittany Ashley, doppelganger is what I like to yeah. say. That's like doppelganger. Because you go into a room, like if I go into a room to audition and I look around, it's like five girls that look exactly like me. And so it's like you run into the same people and you all look alike. The same alike. with modeling, like, yeah. It's the same with modeling. Totally. You're like, oh, awesome. Yeah. Like I'm not unique or special. I'm just like a number. So it, it just, I, I had fun writing about Brittany Ashley in that scene too. <laughs> that, was good. that reminds me of one of the Marilyn Monroe scenes. to be able to write about. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, I was just saying it's probably fun to be able to sort of like write about Hollywood without any repercussions because you could just make fun or like talk about things that happen all the time that a a lay person wouldn't know about but not really have any, like nobody's going to call you out on it because it's just a fiction novel. So that must have been kind of fun. Oh, it was so fun because when I first wrote it, that first draft in 45 days, that was just pure memoir. So when I did the rewrites, I really got to, like, just go for it and say whatever. And and I can always say, well, you don't know if that's true or fake. So, like, Chapter 8, the cool girl and superstar scene with Roxanne, that was, like, ultimate fun. I loved writing the scene at the Hotel Bel Air and how hilarious it got. Um, And just, like, writing about sets, like, working with certain directors and I'm doing that now. There's a lot of, like, comedians and stuff in the second book and, and on-set romance that happens. So, yeah, it it was a really fun to write it and have no consequences. It's like, sorry, yeah. fiction, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet on-set romances happen a lot. Oh, yeah, they're called showmances. So it's together. like, oh. yeah. Yeah, showmance is it's like a cornucopia of acting out. I mean, there's so many sex and love addicts in Hollywood. It's like who's the director hooking up with, who's the co-star hooking up with, who, and then when you you're done with that show or movie, then everybody like breaks up and goes to the next the next set. So it's like a very known in the business. And there's also with- the sad fact of like power plays and women having to feel obligated to have sex to see if they're going to get further in their career or oh yeah yeah that's that's in there um I didn't ever I never had a casting couch experience but I did put a couple of them in there so because it lent to Roxanne's story but yeah that is very well Mm -hmm. known in the business as well yeah wow I was I think around 95 98 there was a movie in Atlanta um then I was going to, I was auditioning for just a small part, and then they asked me, they said, we'd like for you to be the, just the body double for Judith Light. And would I come oh, in? Oh, really? Yeah, and, take, and undress for the guy, what's his name, Charles, redheaded guy that used to be on this cop show, Hill Street Blues. 
well, come on in and just take, you know, just, just, and she wouldn't say take off your clothes. She would just gesture, you know, like pull down your pants, take off your top. And um, I said, but if I don't want to do that, can I, do I still have a place in this? Oh, yeah, no problem. So I sat and waited and waited, and then I realized everybody had left. The building had left me in oh, there. So, <laughs> this is sorry. Oh, but what I want but when you're when you're a director, do you ever feel? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you, as a director, you see things like this happening. Uh, it, it, do you ever feel like you just, in your heart, just want to pull a young woman aside and say, "Honey, you don't have to do this." If they're being oh, pressured by someone, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, even on you know on my show Six that I was on for two years, and you know other shows I've been on, I've seen people not wanting to do stuff and it's like you do want to pull especially younger newer greener actors and be like hey you don't have to put up with that that's not you cannot compromise yourself in this business it's a longevity business it's not quick you know there's rarely anybody that hits stardom overnight so it's like the last thing you want to do is compromise your soul for a job because that job is never going to complete you it's never going to give you your self-worth mm-hmm. because hollywood is ups and downs constantly one day you're up next day you're down and it's like you cannot put your self-worth on a job so yeah i've told people and you know the two movies i've directed i haven't i don't believe in like over sexualized scenes um So, yeah, that's important to me. I mean, one of the movies has a sex scene, and the actress wanted to get naked. I said it's not necessary, but she wanted to. So I was like, okay, you do you. But, um, yeah, I don't think nudity is important to make a movie uh, a great movie. Now, is your book very graphic, or is it explicit sex scenes? Oh, yeah, book? it's very graphic. It's very graphic. It, it it's is. very foul-mouthed. It pretty much says the worst of the worst. It, it gets really dirty. And, you know, and that's why in interviews I never talk about the sexual stuff. You can read about it and see. But I really try to put the subtext of what thinking while the graphic things are happening. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. moments where she says she's not going to do something and then she ends up doing it. And I really wanted to get the reader to go through the mind of an addict of why they make the choices they do when they say they don't want to do something or they're done doing yeah, something the or they're done the with that relationship. That they're in. Yeah. 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 So it really goes there. I mean, I've had moments where people were diaper shopping while listening to it on audiobook and said they died were like dying in the, you know, the aisle thinking people could hear what was on their headphones because I was like, you know, talking so dirty and graphic. Oh, but can you imagine it was like doing the audio book was like the most torturing experience ever. It was like reading your journal of all the horrible things to some group of men listening on a sound booth. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. (laughs) Now, have most of your reviews been written by women, or have some men written them, too? No, I have a lot of men readers. I'm surprised, because it is more written like a chick lit kind of book, but I do. I have a lot of male readers. I have a lot of males reach out to me. I have a lot of women as well, but I'm surprised. I would say it's 50-50, but it's like chick lit, self-help, memoir, and yeah, I'm really grateful for the men that say, oh, my God, I've put myself in those situations. You know, I've been addicted to my ex. 
um, I can't let go of my mm-hmm. old wife or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's nice for, I mean, I've, I've had, a, I have the same thing. I have a lot of, oh, I'd say over 50% of the men, which wasn't my tar- target audience, but I think nice for men to get in the head of a, of a woman, especially in a situation in which they're an addict or desperate or doing things out of, for reasons yeah. that aren't necessarily because they're desiring the guy. It's mostly just for this un, un, this insatiable attention, need for attention and sex and love and yeah. that whole sort of thing. No, I think, it, I think either of our books could help both sex, gender, you know. I, I love that it goes where, you know, there's a lot of guys in my book that are love addicts that are also sex addicts in the book, you know, for exes because usually – two addicts will, you know, act out together. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the way, did you try, did you, did you draw the cover or did you? Uh, no, I did. It was my, that was my cover idea, but I had a graphic artist. We had a graphic artist I put the cover together. The cover. <laughs> Thank you. It looks like two covers. I noticed you have two covers on I, Amazon. Yes, we have two covers because I always say we, because I don't know why I say that, because a bunch of people come together and create the book cover, everything. So I always say we, like it's not mine. But um, yeah, sometimes the to have it at certain outlets, Barnes and Noble and stuff, it was a little too graphic. So we had to give an alternative cover oh, so that, oh, yeah, because it was a little... Yeah, that they said that that she was nude and stuff, and I'm like, she's not nude. Her things are no. covered, but she's raw on the red carpet and bearing her her, you know, like getting raw and naked and vulnerable. So we had to do yeah. two covers, but I love the other cover as well. So I'm fine now with it. But I was very upset when they made me do a second cover. I was like, no. Mm. But yeah. All right. Well. Brianne Davis, wish you the most success with this book. I know it's already success Aww. and it's going to be even bigger. And I'm just so grateful for people like you and Jennifer Irwin who, you know, you share your stories no matter how painful it must be to help other people. Because when I see you on your, listen to your podcast and the people that you help and the reviews that, you know, you both get for your books, I, I am just so grateful that there are women like you in the world, in my world, and because we can't do it, you know, we, there are things that just can't do by yourself. And, you know, it's one thing to judge, but it's a much better thing to step back and say, I probably have no idea what they're going through, but let's see what we can do to help. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you That's both. the whole reason. Let's lift each other yeah, up. Thank you, let's, like, we are not alone. Thank you for having me. Well, I am delighted that you you accepted the invitation to the genie bottle. I hope that you will return. <laughs> you got three more books. I, I hope you'll come yes. back. Okay. Yes. I will. I'll come back. I'll come it was, back. It, it was really fun hearing you talk, and you're inspiring, and obviously you've done a lot of personal work, which is super nice to hear, and I think will be very inspiring for a lot of people. We can all we can always do better and be better. Yeah. Thank you, and I yes, look forward all... to reading your new book too. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm about to buy yours on Amazon. I sent you a little <laughs> message on Instagram, by the way. 
Oh, All right. Yeah, I'll I'll reply back. <laughs> I love okay. this. It's like a pajama party in a genie bottle. I'm loving this. <laughs> in a genie bottle. <laughs> Am I the luckiest woman so in the world, or what? Um, to have to have the guests I have in the audience. I, you make me feel so grateful for for this, and I'm so uh, appreciative. So uh, so everyone, I will be sharing how to get Brianne Davis's book. Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. I guess you have your choice of covers. Uh, they're both good, but this stuff was really cute. And also, uh, Jennifer Irwin, The Moon, follow-up to address the color of the sky. So I'll have all the information to get all of those uh, wherever you want. And remember what I always say is be good to yourself, be good to each other, because I think you're all wonderful. Thank you, Brianne. Thank you, Jennifer. And... Everybody's got to see With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.